Welcome back to Crab Chat, the unofficial fantasy review that you never wanted nor asked for. I'm your host, Matty the Crab Man, and you're back in the safe pincers of a capable radio podcast host. Now, sit back, relax, keep it locked, and let all your worries melt away as I walk you through the weekend that was. And what a weekend it was. Um, The big headline coming out this weekend, uh, despite... The Sunday afternoon nail-biter between Marocchi and McCarry, the Italian and the Irishman, uh, in my opinion, was the injuries. Um, a lot of big names are out of action after round five. Uh, just to quickly walk through them, Jakey Stringer for Sam is out of action. Trent Cotchin for Morgan. Nan Kerbis for John. And Dion Prestia for Kyle. That trio of Richmond players all went down uh, with two syndesmosis injuries. I think Cotchin had a hammy or a finger. I can't remember what Cotchin had. Uh, Luke Shuey, out of action for John with a hammy. Maddie Rao, absolute heartache across the country. Went down the dislocated shoulder for Dinger. Posted an absolute zero, a donut. Uh, Bailey Smith went out with a nasty head clash very early for the Bulldogs. So Kyle copped a one from Bailey Smith. Ben Cunnington went down with an injury uh, for Zach. So a lot of names um, went down during the games. Um, luckily, Stringer for Sam went down the dying minutes. Still posted a very healthy 80. Dan Hannabry went down with an injury, which went largely unnoticed because he's currently a free agent. But we know he's notorious in this league for floating around in and out of various lists. So RIP Dan Hannabry. Um, and I'm just going to tack this on to the end of the injury list is... Uh, confirmed nine hours ago, according to ABC, Basha Hawley is not leaving Victoria. There was talk about it yesterday. Confirmed today, Basha Hawley is going to stay in Victoria, not move to the Queensland hub, um, therefore forfeiting the next couple of games, I think three weeks or so. Uh, so that's going to hurt me, the crustacean. Uh, citing family reasons, his um, missus has recently had a kid. Um, they've got three kids under the age of five, so he's saying, no, I'm going to stay home. Um, clearly never heard of FIFO before, but that's fine. So Basha Hulu will be resting on the bench for the crustaceans in the next few weeks. Now, let's go through the results. Let's see what happened over the weekend. So um, starting with the first match, Robbo's Janitors, big win, 124 points over the claw. So well done, Tim. Commiserations, Morgs. Uh, and then the second fixture, the one we all watched, um, don't need to talk about it too much because we all lived through it. Uh, the Rock and Sock Connection, 8.35, just fell short by a kick of Huey's Blueys FFC, still undefeated on 8.38. Narrow margin, but a margin all the same. Third fixture, this one was an absolute drubbing, 195 points. Curl Hermsgroup fell short of Crustacean FC. Uh, looking at the next one, Jumbo Seafood, a Whaley Special, 8.10. Was not good enough for the chicken casserole with 8.47. So a 37-point win there to our Darwin compatriot, Benny Edwards. Mandaclorian FC, a very nice number of 9.25. Was far too good for Pubic Lice STIFC with a lowly 8.16. We'll explore all these matches later on the podcast. Just running through the results. Looking at the last fixture, um, Two heavyweights of the competition, two strongly performing teams in 2019 who just have not hit their straps yet in 2020. Um, they battled it out and they both posted very big numbers. So Joel Bowden's was easily the highest score for a losing team this week, 915. Nowhere near 
competition for Los Bola Aficionados, the Roberto Giuseppe Bellagio uh, project from the eastern Alps of Italy. 990, only 10 points shy of the elusive four-figure score for 2020. A big weekend for Simon. Now, let's look at what those results mean for the ladder. So the ladder is very volatile at the moment, looking like the ASX. The only constant at the moment seems to be Huey's Blueys FFC. The newcomer to the competition, Zachary John McCarry, is undefeated on top. He keeps his mantle currently 5-0. and And if he couldn't lose that game this week where... He posted a relatively medium to low score of 8.38, only won by three points. If he can't lose those games, what games is he going to lose? He has the Midas touch at the moment, but below him, it is just chaos. So from, sec- from second place to seventh is a six-club tie on three wins and two losses, only percentage separating. So the janitors are currently in second, and he's jumped up from fourth. So a nice little two-position climb for the janitors this weekend. In third is yours truly, Manny the Crabman. Uh, jumped up from eighth. Thank you very much. So gone up five places this week. Um, thanks to the percentage boost from that 200-point victory. In fourth is the Chicken Casserole, who's also jumped up from seventh. So second, third, and fourth have all enjoyed a bit of a climb. Meanwhile, Kyle has fallen to fifth was sitting at second before the weekend, so he's gone down three spots, also won three and two. In sixth is the Mandalorian. He's climbed up from ninth position, so he's gone up three positions to the top six. Uh, And then looking at the next three clubs have all fallen. So in seventh is Jumbo. Uh, He's gone down from third. So a big fall from Grace from the top three to outside the top six for Jumbo Seafood. Then following now on premiership points for two wins and three losses, we have the Joel Bowdens. Um, Again, very unfortunate not to win with a 915 this week. So he's in eighth on two and three. Also on two and three is Pubic Lice STIFC. Pubic Lice have fallen down from sixth to ninth, so they're sliding uh, and not posting good scores, uh, may I add. Only 816, I think, this week. Uh, looking at the bottom three, also on two wins, three losses, is LBA, uh, Los Bola Aficionados, and they were 10th, and they're still in 10th. So despite a huge score, despite a win, can't get out of 10th position. Uh, and then bottom two, uh, Morgan, Rock and Sock Connection. Just nothing is going his way at the moment. Oh, sorry, I've confused two teams there. Morgan, um, the claw is one win, four losses. He stays in 11th. And 12th is the Rock and Sock Connection. Um, last year's runner-up, Josh Morocchi. Nothing's going his way this year. He stays in 12th. Still winless on 0-5. So that's the ladder as it stands, the 1-12 to 12 positions. Looking at the pigs and the piglets, who went big in round five? So the Ruckman, Maxi Gorn, um, as we all saw, 131. That's a huge fucking score for 2020 in the shortened format. I'm no mathematician. John's an Asian. He might be able to work it out for me. But 131, I'm going to say in the old system, that's easily 150, possibly a 160 score. Who knows? Maybe higher. So a massive, massive turnout for Maxi Gorn, um, courtesy of Pubic Lice SCIFC. Josh Kelly, 116. Uh, Thank you very much, Tim Robertson. That's a huge score. 
Uh, Nikki Haynes, 115. Morocco, I needn't say anymore. That could have been a 118. Uh, and then fourth highest of the weekend is just vintage Ruck Dog, Brody Grundy, um, doing it each week. That's your top four. Now, we usually like to point out here at the podcast, not only who went big, but which free agents went big. So what players are posting good scores um, and not contributing to any coach's results? And this week, that man was Harry Perryman. Only one point shy of Brody Grundy. Harry Perryman did 112, um, which is massive. And again, old system, that's probably going to be a 125-ish, maybe. Um, but I'm going to point out, he was the only free agent in the top 20 players this week. So 19 of the top 20 belonged to a coach. So well done, coaches of the league. Um, only one slipped under the radar this week. And before you start biting the bullet and jumping into putting Harry Perryman down as an RFA for 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning, have a look at his last five rounds. He is hotter and colder than Sean Higgins. On that note, we are deep diving into Sean Higgins this week, so don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. That is coming up. Huge segment. Huge segment. Absolute facts coming out. Now, let's just walk through the results in a bit more detail now. So we've skimmed through who won and by how much. Instead of just going straight to clangers and bangers, we're just going to walk through each game so that each coach gets their time in the spotlight for both the good and bad reasons. So the first game, Robbo Janitor's taking on the Claw. Uh, we've got Robbo relying very heavily on his midfield and his Ruckman. So Robbo's got a 9.35, which is one of the highest scores of the week. I think it's second or third highest score of the week. Um, but if it wasn't for his midfield, who were very good, and a very good return to form for Robert Marshall, his Ruckman, so Josh Kelly with 116, Lockie Neal as captain 104, double to 208, and then Pendlebury and Josh Kennedy 81 and 95. You'd take 81 as your lowest midfield score any day of the week, plus two um, triple figure scores. And then Rowan Marshall 99 of the ruck. So those five players carrying the heavy weight. Because if you look at his back line, poo, total poo. Hartlett 39, Crozier 58, Vlossen 48, that's shit. Forward line, also pretty modest. 69, 55, 67, no one going above 70. So um, he'll need to be handing out some wristies, massages, lolly snakes, anything to keep that midfield fresh because they've got another big week coming up if Tim wants to keep on posting triple figures. Um, On the other side of the turf, Morgs at the claw, uh, just serious ruckman issues at the moment. He had Naismith as a DNP on the field. And his reserve ruck on the bench was, I don't even know how to say his cunt's name, Pitonet, Pitonet, Carlton Ruckman, got a fucking half-chewed mango for a face, uh, 56. So 56 points between his two ruckmen. He'll need to find a solution for next week. A uh, little plug here, Ivan Soldo is looking for a new home morgue, so call me 0403 955 411. We can talk ruckman. Um Tune. Now, despite Ruckman issues, um, Morg's also having absolute strife picking a captain. So he had Billings as vice captain with an 86, which is decent. You know, you take that maybe. Um, but he's gone with Michael Walters as his captain. Now, Walters, when I first this, I was like, that's shit, Morgs. Walters has gone 69 as a captain, and that's a 138 total, which is just shit. You don't want that. You want at least a 85, 90 for your captain, at least. So I was going to shit on him, but then I looked through his list, and I don't blame him now. Looking at his list, 
He's got Walters averaging 81 for the season, probably higher before the weekend. Um, and there's really no one else on Wog's list that you'd probably pick over that. So it's not so much a shit captaincy choice, but rather just slim picking. So Morgs, that narrowly saves you from a coaching clanger. Moving on to the next fixture, we've got the Rock and Sock connection of the Huey's Blueys, the weekend's infamous fixture, the three-point margin. Now, the first thing I've got to address here, Meraki, your midfield had a fucking nightmare. You've had Bontempelli 45, Rockcliffe 57, and Brad Hill 31. So it's not Nick Haynes' slow kicking reaction time that cost you the win. It's those three blokes. Three star midfielders, none of them going above 60. One of them getting a 31. You can't win with that sort of performance. Um, it's actually amazing you went above 800 with that as your midfield. You've been properly saved here by Mitch Duncan with a captaincy score of about 100. Nat Nui in the ruck with an 86. Um, and obviously Nick Haynes down back with a 115. That saved you from going sort of Kyle Holmes numbers here, but still, you can't be going forward that sort of... Um, also, Toby Green down forward, 78, is pretty respectable. So a lot of holes that need um, patching in the Meraki ship. Otherwise, um, looking at what Zach's done right and wrong, uh, from what I can see, and it's I'm not sure how much I trust the fantasy website in being up to date or whether they actually change vice-captain and captain after the weekend if the coaches are manipulated it. But it looks like Zach has vice-captain Cripps. Um, and after Cripps has posted an 81, he's looped him in as captain by bringing in Sinclair as a DMP on the field with the captaincy. Now, I dare say that's probably the lowest score I've seen looped in for a captain this year. I stand to be corrected, um, but 81, that's a bold move to loop him in as captain after the Thursday night fixture for Carlton. Um, particularly when he's got Cornelio going 90, Jack Martin going 90. Well, apart from that, actually, it's probably his third highest scoring player. So, again, I think you've narrowly avoided a clanger here, but um, if anyone has seen somebody loop in a player for less than 81, do let me know. Um, other than that, Zach's done pretty well. 8.38, respectable. Um, just no one really firing for the Hueys. He's just had a lot of sort of decent scores. I think no one's gone above 90 for him. So um, he's got two players on 90. Uh, moving on to the next fixture, which was um, Kyle versus the original pinchers. Rory Lobster, Matty Crabman, Crustacean FC. Um, this was the, the big margin, biggest margin of the round, 195 points. Um, nothing that Kyle could have done here, to be honest. This was a, just a classic case of a coach um, watching none of his players turn up to work. And I'm just going to quickly run through his team sheet to give everyone an idea. So, again, there's no clanger here. This is just plain shit luck for Kyle. From the back line, Crisp, 53. Dawson, 55. Clark, 38. Midfield, Gaff, 66. Boak, what's that? 79, I think. Prestia, 77. McCluggage, thankfully, a 90. Segler in the ruck with a 53. Uh, Devin Smith, 64, Gresham, 57, and then just icing on the cake, Bailey Smith, 1, down forward on the field after the head clash. So nothing went Kyle's way, and there's really nothing he could have done about it. Um, and then, again, other side of the turf for the Crabs. An unusually quiet performance for Basha Hooley, 59 points. Um, he's been averaging 82. I don't, know, I don't think I've seen him go below 
80 really this year. So 59 was quiet for him. Um, but the Tigers were hot and there wasn't much ball down back for the Tigers. So that could go part way to explaining that. Apart from that, a big, big crabby welcome to the new players. Jack Higgins up forward with 73 and Jared Berry in the middle with a 77. Uh, and just vintage Grunty. Grunty? Vintage Grundy as skipper. 226 with a doubling. Uh, moving on, next fixture, we've got uh, Jumbo Seafood versus Chicken Casserole. So a bit of a surf and turf deal. Um, let me know what you think of that joke in the group chat. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It just sort of came off the cuff. So again, pretty mild, modest scores here for both coaches, 8.10 and 8.47. Um, now there's plenty, plenty to pick apart in this fixture. So got my knife and my fork ready. This one's going to be meaty. Plenty of clangers. So John's lost by 37 points to Ben. Now we all know 37, that's winnable. That's just, you know, one or two players playing a little bit better and there's your 37 points. Now I'm going to tell you all the ways that John fucked up on what should have been a victory. Firstly, he's vice-captained Sam Walsh for Thursday night's game between Carlton and Sydney. Why, is my question. Why? Why have you captained Sam Walsh on Thursday night? His average is like, what, two? 63 is his average. That's low to vice-captain someone. Sure enough, he's, oh, he's got Jake Lloyd in his back line playing for Sydney in that same game. Walsh is averaging, what, 60-something. Lloyd is averaging 82 over Walsh's 63. And surprise, fucking surprise, Jake Lloyd scores 95. Literally more than double Sam Walsh's 44. So he's fucked up on the Thursday night, and while desperate to atone for this fuck-up, he needs to find a good captain in the upcoming fixtures for the weekend. So the dumb cunt overlooks his next two best midfielders, Brandon Ellis and Dom Sheed, in favour of his useless fucking ruckman, Jared Witts. And again, to no one's surprise... Jared Witts gives him a 63, while Ellis goes 71, and Sheed with a 111. What the fuck were you doing? So while the neckbeard properly cocks up his captaincy, he is the real salt in the wound. And it's actually, now I read this, it's amazing I didn't give him the Dickens this week. Because despite that captaincy fuck up, he still would have won. He still would have won with fucking Jared Witts and Sam Walsh's captain and vice-captain, if Shuey didn't ping his hammy. So Shuey scores a 19. He's done his hammy. That, that's his shit luck. If he didn't do his hammy, if he played the game out and reached his average score of 65, John would have won by nine points. So he got fucked up by chance, got fucked up by choice. Fuck you. Meanwhile, across the ditch, uh, looking at Ben, the chicken casseroles, nothing much to really explore here um, apart from the fact that he's got an absolute backline shaping up um, he's got Rory Laird with 87 James Aish with 82 Salem with 67 and then on the bench Shepard with 96 so four very very good scores for Backman easily the best backline of the comp um, from this week I'm not sure the averages but very good week's performances um, so if it wasn't for very, very modest turnout from Ben's midfield, um, he'd easily be pushing 900s this week. So um, definitely one to watch in the coming weeks is a chicken casserole. Um, now, moving on to the next week, 
the next week, the next game. Uh, this was the Mandalorian taking on uh, pubic crabs. So it's a big 100 point, 100 point jobby here for Sam. Um, some nice numbers across all his lines, which handed him that 900 plus weekend. Now I'm sure Dingler would love to blame uh, this weekend's loss, but fucking really 100 points, uh, on Matt Rouse zero. But he's got Maine with 54 as an emergency, which means that injury doesn't even go halfway to explain the margin. Um, especially when you consider that Dinger had the weekend's highest scoring player through Gorn with 131 as his captain. So really, there's no excuses for this dicking. Um, not even Rao's excuse. Um, and when you're trying to find the source of this loss, I think it's pretty evident um, that Dinger lost this match in the forward line. He's got 56, 62, and 38 down forward for Jordan, compared to Sam's 101, 82, and 54. Um, so I hope you're good at cleaning windscreens, Dinger. Uh, looking at the last fixture for the week, the Bowdens taking on Los Bola aficionados. Um, you could literally hear Giuseppe moaning from Perth um, as the Fondlers just edged him closer and closer to that elusive 1,000, uh, but fell just 10 points shy. So uh, apparently people in Italy are saying Giuseppe's balls are bigger and bluer than um, something really big and blue. The ocean. I wish I thought of that quicker. Uh, now, there's not much really to explore in this hit out. I'm going to say big commiserations to the reigning Premier. Uh, Nath, you've lost with 915. That's just shit luck. That always hurts when it happens to you, so I'm glad it's you, not me. Um, that being said, fucking fantastic to see Trelaw back on the park uh, in the midfield for Nathan. Fuck, as, as I look at this, Nathan is literally the Jared Zilstra second part store. Adam Trelaw and Matt Crouch in the middle just turning it on. Um, two beloved, beloved players of mine. I've always been a big fan of Matt Crouch. Um, but anyway, like I said, great to see Trelaw with 105, a very tidy triple figure. Um, the only clanger here was a captaincy move by Nathan. Again, a few questionable captaincy choices in the round that was. So for Nathan, for the Bowdens, um, the VC position understandably went to... Um, Taylor Adams. Uh, but when he didn't fire with a 77, the captaincy has gone to Dangerfield, uh, who was also very lacklustre with a 68. So with that little cock up in the midfield, he's missed out on doubling Trelaw's 105, English's 99, or Crouch's 90. Fuck you, Matt Crouch. Honestly, fuck. Simo, on the other hand... Uh, looking very, very juicy across all lines, as you would expect from a player who just put up 990. Um, that being said, surprisingly modest in the midfield. Two players below 80 in there, Oliver 76 and Warpool 74. Um, and that's players, both players, who are very capable of going above 80. So I think that's where Simo's lost the four-figure 1,000. Um, but despite those two modest numbers from Oliver and Warpool, um, a gorgeous, gorgeous 106 from Brayshaw and 109 from Greenwood, both down forward, um, which is great to see. You don't really see many forwards go above 100. So um, having dual positions, Brayshaw and Greenwood as mid-forwards, um, actually, fuck, look at this. He's also got Jai Simpkin down forward, who averages 81, um, who's also a mid-forward. So he's got three midfielders in the forward line. Um, yeah, I'm 
actually about to come my pants. He's got two midfielders in his back line, Houston and Petrescu Seaton. So he's got mids everywhere. Simo, you've actually I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how you were sitting in tenth. That stings. Um Actually, that finishes up the round that was. Before we go into the Sean Higgins deep dive, the Archie Dickens, and capping off the predictions, I'm just going to quickly jump off script. It was something we've been talking about in the group chat, something I've been looking at. It's the ladder that is compared to the bigger picture, the ladder that should be. I'm just going to quickly rearrange the ladder into total points four. So we see Tim take top spot convincingly. Tim has scored 4,600 points this season, which places him 87 points above Pubic Lice in second with 45.13. The Chicken Casserole is third with 44.96, followed closely by Crustacean in fourth, 44.10. Curl Herms Group is still in fifth uh, with 43.56. Los Bola Aficionados, here he comes. He's jumped from 10th to 6th. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yep, 6th with 43, 40. Only just a bee's dick behind Kyle. So if he's posting close to 1,000 now and he's in 6th for total points, we're seeing a late surge from Simo. His players are starting to click. And then from Simo down, we've got Sam, Nath, Zach, Morgan, Maraki, and Jumbo. So John is... 50 points behind Meraki in last place. Zach slides from first to, what's that, eighth? Ninth. Uh, ninth. Morgs, Meraki, John, ran out the bottom three. Neither of those three coaches have cracked the 4,000 figure yet for the season. So it's painting a very different story. And the scientists that work here in the, in the lab at Crab, Crab Lab, Crab HQ Lab, um, they like to use this sort of computer modelling when they're looking at how the season's going to pan out. Looking at the total points scored, yes, you can be a coach like Zach who's winning every game, not scoring many points just through the lack of the draw, who you're playing against, what kind of weekend they're having. But over the course of the season, the total points you score is going to av- average out somewhat to give you um, a good ladder position. So... The computer modelling here is telling us to look out for pubic lice, STIFC. He's sitting in ninth, but he should be in second. It's telling you to look out for Simo, I think. Not so much from total points four for the season, but total points four for the last few rounds. He's coming. He's coming. Giuseppe's coming. I'm coming. Now, back to the podcast script, back to where we were. We're going to move into the Higgins deep dive, the Sean Higgins deep dive. I promise you I'm going to deliver it. Now, we're going to be talking numbers here. So, John, tune in. This is homework. In 2020, or sorry, in 2019, just for the new coaches who might not have grabbed the full story of what happened with Higgins, last year with Tim, actually, I think we have discussed this. I'll brief, briefly, briefly cover this. Last year, Tim had Mark Murphy, Sean Higgins. He could not work out who to put on the field. And it was this Murphy's law, pun intended, whoever was on the field would score lower than those on the bench. If Higgins played well, Murphy was shit. If Murphy played well, Higgins was shit. And sure enough, the shit one was always on the field. That's the nutshell story. Higgins is characteristically hot and cold again this year. So looking at those numbers from last year, 2019, I'm going to read out from round 18 onwards, which was when Higgins returned from injury. 
So Higgins and Murphy both played round 18 to 23 without missing a beat. Here are their scores. I'll read out Higgins first, Murphy second. So from round 18, 116, Higgins, 74, Murphy. Round 19, 69, 128. Amazingly, the next round, 109 each. The next round, 90, 97. The next round, 135, 106. The next round, 110, 123. So a couple of rounds that were almost evening out, but there was if you plot that, you'll definitely see the uh, out-of-sync zigzag performances. Looking at 2020, Higgins, again, very hot and cold. 73, 90, 41, 91, 34. So fucking hot and cold. But get this. Here's Murphy's. 78, 75, 54, 81, 58. So if you take out round one, they've both been hot and cold again this year. They're in sync. Murphy and Higgins are in sync. The deep dive doesn't stop there. So we come to this realisation. In 2019, Higgins and Murphy out of sync. In 2020, Higgins Murphy in sync. Now, the scientists at Crab Lab are asking why. We have to ask why in science. And when there's a question why, there need to be theories. Here are the Crab Lab theories. Theory one, Harry Perryman. I mentioned this name top of the podcast. It's back. Here's Harry Perryman's scores this year. 86, 41, 105, 41, 112, also hot and cold, out of sync with Higgins Murphy. Is Harry Perryman the new bogeyman? That's just not as good as it gets. Listen to theory two. I'm about to blow your tits clean off. Ben and Nathan are the 2020 Higgins Murphy. Ben's win-loss record for 2020. Win, loss, win, loss, win. Nathan's win-loss record for 2020. Loss, win, loss, win, loss. If I had a microphone, I'd drop it. Fuck it. That's the microphone dropping. That is what happened to Higgins Murphy. Ben is Higgins Nathan is Mark Murphy. Moving on to the Archie Dickens, uh, the round five nomination, Kyle Holmes. He's been dicked the hardest out of anyone this week. But to add to the Bukaki dicking that he received from his players, he's been back dicked, like backstabbed with a dick by the undeniable of 2020. I'm calling it now. I've won the car. During the week, Jack Higgins was a Curl Herms crew before a trade in exchange for Mitch Robinson. Now, Higgins, Jack Higgins, might I add, would have been Kyle's highest scoring forward this week by 10 points. And after that round, Higgins now has a higher average than any of Kyle's current forwards. Meanwhile, his new player from the trade, Mitch Robinson, 
sits on Kyle's bench as easily his shittest midfielder. So he's given away his would-be best forward for his now shittest mid. I'm still not 100% sure why Kyle did it. Um, after the trade was done, he did message me saying, don't say I don't do anything for you. Mate, say all the fuck you want. You're an idiot. Uh, now, I'm looking at this. So, yep, he's been dicked by all 15 of his players, confirmed, plus Higgins, plus himself. Kyle, you're the round five Archibald Dickens nominee. Congratulations. As you can see, there's no prisoners here at Crab HQ. You can give me your best player. I'll still roast you on the podcast. Now, let's bring it home. What are we at? 32 minutes. Nice, short, and snappy. Let's go to uh, round six. The round that will be. So, the top of the fixtures is... It's a top-of-the-table clash. The first game of the week on the website is a top-of-the-table blockbuster. Robbo's Janitors who we did realise is the current high-scoring team of the year, against Huey's Blueys, the undefeated juggernaut that is the cooking show. He is 5-0. I'm just going to go by numbers here. I think Robbo is going to bring an end to... Yeah, I think Robbo's going to bring an end to Huey's run. It has to happen sometime. I think round six is when it's going to happen. The only thing making me hesitate is it's all but possible that the Huey's curse will even bring down the janitor who come down with a case of Hueyitis. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Robbo's safe here. The next fixture also to, is the opposite. It's two sides of the table here. 11th place, Morgan, taking on third place, Crustacean. I'm going to back myself. I was looking at Morgan's list during the podcast and there's a lot of issues that need addressing, particularly the ruck, Morgs, willing to give you Soldo, call me, but I don't think Soldo will be enough. To be honest this week, I think I've got this one. Uh, looking at the Rock and Sock connection, 12th place taking on the Casserole in fourth. Another two sides of the table clash. I think, yeah, Chicken should be fine here. His squad's looking good. Morocchi, I don't think this is going to be your week. I think round five should have been your week to end the drought. I wouldn't hold your breath for round six. Who have you got the week after? Let's just try and find some sunshine. Oh, fuck. You're playing Simon the week after. The week after that, you're playing Gillis. Maybe round eight. We'll see. But I don't think round six or seven are going to be your weeks, Meraki. So, batten down the hatches. Start getting your squidging a bottle of detergent ready. It might be you. Um, the next game, we've got Curl Herms Group taking on Pubic Lice STIFC. Two long-time mates, two long-time allies. They will be enemies next week. It's really hard to predict with Kyle. He's been good all year. He's top five. He's sitting fifth for both premiership points and total points scored. Dinger has got a lot of points scored, but he's sitting in ninth. It's just hard to know what Kyle's players will do this week. All of them really didn't fire this week. They could fire the next. I'm going to go Dinger. I'm going to go Dinger. He's got Gorn as captain. He's got some good players in the guts. Dinger for mine. Um, the next game, we've got Jumbo Seafood versus LBA, the Italian Stallions. I think, yeah, I can't see Jumbo. I think he hasn't cracked 4,000 points yet for the year. Like we mentioned, Simon's just in impeccable form. He's got a glorious, veiny dick for a forward line. Simo for mine easily. Um, and I'm also going to go 
double bet here. That's the biggest margin for the week. I'm going to say Simo by 210. Uh, and the last game, Mando versus the Bowdens. Ooh, that's a toughie. This could be the other nail-biter, apart from Curl Hermsgrub and Pubic Lice. Um, what did we say on the ladder for total points for? I'm just going to use that as my guide so it's objective. Uh, oh, geez, they're close. They are one, two, three, four, five, six... Seventh and eighth for total points scored. This is a tight one. I'm going to say Bowden's. I like what his midfield was doing this week. I think he's only going to get better captaincy captaincy choices. Bowden's for me, but by the skin of his foreskin. The skin of his foreskin. The skin of his glands. The skin at the tip of his dick. Now, that's all we've got for predictions. That's all we've got for the podcast this week. I've been the crab man. You've been my audience. It's great to be back in the pilot seat. See you next week for another episode of Crab Chat.